Welcome to One City Podcast. Today, Pastors Chris and Karen Conley will take a deeper dive into this week's message and teach us to apply the truth of God's Word in our lives. Welcome to Conversations. This is Karen Conley, and I am sitting across from my better half, Chris Conley, and we are thrilled. It has been a minute since we have been able to record some podcasts, uh, lots of exciting things going on in the One City family and in the greater Memphis area that we're involved in that has taken uh, a little bit of our time. So it's great to be back, and we are here today to have a conversation about a message that you taught yesterday. Yesterday, Chris, um, it was actually the final message in the series, The Next Day, When the Unknown Becomes Known. And uh, hopefully as you go back and you've listened to the other parts of this sermon series, um, you're, it builds until here, but maybe just in case somebody hasn't, set the stage as to really the theme of this particular series, and then let's dive in and discuss yesterday's message. Yeah, so when we think about prayer... All of us want immediate answers. And when we don't have immediate answers, then um, especially in a culture that kind of demands everything to be urgent, you know, on time and, you know, just delivered like immediately, we get a little bit disappointed. We get confused. We get, you know, uh, it's one of those places that we can actually quickly give up on prayer when the answer is not immediate. But we don't understand the essence of prayer in that regard. We're not just praying for some type of, um, you know, kind of plug in the code. And once I plug in the code, I get the answer out. We're praying into a relationship. We're not just praying into results. We're praying into a relationship. And so when we think about the next day, what has to happen to see results the next day isn't just dependent upon what God does, but it's actually dependent upon what we do today. And so when we pray, we really need to be the first ones to kind of be the answer to some of the prayers that we pray. Because the prayers aren't just about what we say to God. The prayers are about what God says to us. And when God begins to speak to us, prayer is actually listening to God and responding. And so, yes, our tendency is to run into his presence, kind of unload everything immediately. And then when we get done talking, you know, to kind of exit the prayer and say, amen. Whereas really we need to learn how to enter his presence, um, be okay with some uh, silence even, be okay with, you know, being patient in the prayer process, learn how to listen Uh, oftentimes, you know, there's, you know, some reading of scripture that can kind of stimulate your prayer life. And then once you listen and you allow the spirit of God to kind of take the lead, you begin to follow him in the prayer. It's almost like dancing. You need to let him take the lead and you follow his lead. And once he is leading you in the prayer, then you have to become responsive to what you're praying about And oftentimes we become part of the answer to our own prayers. And oftentimes we become the answer to someone else's prayers. And what we do today becomes the catalyst for the next day. 
And it is what God uses to allow the unknown to become known. Okay. You know, I like to ask questions. You just, in those couple minutes as you were describing that, a hundred different questions went through my mind. So I'll try to pick the top ones. But as you're talking about that, I know one of the things that you've said throughout the series and that you said Sunday is that, you know, we want the answers circumstantially, but we don't want them relationally. And so just all that you're just describing really is a, a challenge to us to evaluate what we're praying and how we're praying and if we're coming into it relationally. And as you're saying that, a couple things that ran through my mind, Chris, was, I mean, I can think of time after time of people who are frustrated and angry and disappointed at God for not solving something. Well, from an outsider's perspective, you can just look and see, well, you're not living the way that he desired like you're outside of the umbrella of his protection and really there needs to be a point of you agreeing with God in how to live so you got that kind of category of people and then you got the other category of of that like well I'm not praying just the right words I'm there's like this formula this this magic calculation that if I prayed harder God would answer this so knowing that both situations exist that there are times where the next day is dependent on our repentance and then other times where no there are things that are outside of our control and that that we that for whatever reason God's timing isn't our timing but that people are beating themselves up against you know a, across the head that it must be me I'm not praying right would you maybe speak to both of those audiences as we think about the next day yeah i would try to simplify what prayer is and the best way I know to do that is kind of make a comparison to a parent-child relationship. So when Mark or Annika come to me and just are having a conversation, and maybe it's a conversation about uh, next steps in life, and, and maybe they have you know, um, you know, some decisions that they need to make, and they're trying to discern what the best decision is. Well, as their dad you know, I'm always interpreting everything they're saying through a relational context. And I'm trying to um, understand, A, their context, B, what is best for them. Um, you know, if we just did a comparison with Mark and Annika, um, we might be able to have the same conversation. They both might be um, asking the same question, you know, uh, but because they're two different people, uh, because the relationships are different, um, you know, I can give a answer that is uh, similar to both, but it would be contextualized to each one of them according to who they are, according to the relationship, according to what's best for them. And so I think with God, we too frequently in the prayer process, we just take a shortcut. We just want God to give us the answer. And honestly, I think he many times refuses to just give us the shortcut because that's not what's best for us. That he'd rather take us through the process of actually seeking him, learning about him, learning about ourselves, making adjustments, responding, and then going through a journey where he reveals 
more about who he is, about who you are, bringing you into a right relationship with himself and a right relationship with others. And then through that process, oftentimes he even adjusts what we're asking for. We begin to even change what we ask for. And then at other times, um, we don't have to adjust what we're asking for, but he brings us into uh, alignment. He brings us into agreement with what is his will, which is best for us. And therefore, our perspective of his answer is radically different and radically better than just getting the shortcut. I love that. And I think, you know, one of the things that you said on Sunday um, really is obviously in alignment with what you just said. But, you know, as you talk about today, what can you do today? If there's something, and I can't imagine there's a person out there alive today listening to this that doesn't have something that they need to see God move in that hasn't uh, hasn't materialized. And so what do we do today as we're waiting on the next day? And you made the, the statements, you say yes to the priority, you say yes to the encounter, you say yes to the assignment. And obviously that was the context of one of our previous messages and you were talking about Cornelius and Peter and how each of them prioritized prayer, how they each um, encountered God in their own individual ways and then they each responded and said yes to what God was saying through that encounter. Um, But that is us saying yes today. Um, as we moved into the, the passage for this week, you were in 1 Kings 18, 20 through 39. And one of the phrases that just stuck with me from this message that I think resonated and challenged so many of us was this idea of limping between two different opinions. Would you maybe give the context? I'm, I'm trusting people have listened to the message, but let's just kind of set the context for that phrase. And then I wanted to talk with you about it. Yeah, so the context is this is Elijah, and King Ahab is one of the worst kings in history. There's been a drought uh, for over three years, and King Ahab is really just wanting Elijah to pray a prayer that's going to end the drought, kind of bless the land, bless the people, and thus bless his kingship. And it's not much different than us oftentimes asking God to bless our disobedience, that we will come to God when it's convenient for God to help us. But King Ahab um, and his people and, you know, much of Israel at that time had become Baal worshipers. And then there was other people that not only were they, uh, some were just solely Baal worshipers, but others were trying to worship both Baal and God, you know, kind of, again, in the world of convenience, uh, trying to do both. And what Elijah does is Elijah, you know, creates this famous contest on Mount Carmel. But then he uses this phrase, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? He says, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And I think in our culture today, we have so elevated people's opinions and we have allowed ourselves to um, devalue what God says. And even when God says something, we almost look at it as, well, God has his opinion. 
and we have our opinion. And, you know, I don't know if that's right or not. And, and so I'm going to hold to my version of truth. And then we do what was what is right in our own eyes as if we were God. And we know throughout history that when the kings did what was right in their own eyes, it was to the detriment of the kingdom and detriment to the people and ultimately took them away from God. And so I think we're at a place in our society because we have a lot of deconstruction going on. And so, you know, instead of believing in a absolute truth, you know, it's pluralism, uh, relativism. Um, instead of believing in one true God, well, there's many gods and it's just your form of spirituality. And, you know, in whatever way you want to get there, kind of all roads lead to the same God. And if we go back into this story, Elijah, and his name means Yahweh is God, okay, is the kind of lone prophet left in the day. There were 450 prophets of Baal. And he is just going to cut through all the minutiae. He's going to cut through all the different opinions, and he's going to simplify this. And he's going to say, listen, and that word picture limping is so important. You know, how long are you going to continue to limp between two opinions? If you want to quit limping, then follow the one true God. And, and, and he creates the contest that, that okay, uh, the God that brings fire to the sacrifice, he's God. And what we see is, obviously, in this story, God does bring the fire, and God reveals that he is the one true God. But the question is, how long are you going to wait? Is there not enough evidence? Um, is history not proved? Do you not see enough in your own life? What more do we need today to quit limping, and, and we need to honestly devalue our opinion, and we need to increase our commitment, and it's not an opinion, our commitment to A, who he is, and B, to his truth, and bring ourselves, quit judging him. You know, it, it's not our place to judge him or judge his truth. We're not, you know, adjusting his truth to our preferences. We need to adjust our life to his truth and to his to who he is as a person so when i think about just conversations that we have and um, different people in different stages of life chris let's move from a place of um, maybe general to a place of specific um, and and i want to ask you because i feel like you're good at this i'm not as good at this um, you know, there's times in having conversations with people that are either not fully engaged with God or maybe de-churched or unchurched where, um, you know, you come back and say, well, you're not living the way that God wants you to. And well, you're living in sin and that's just not the way to do things that it just it just feels like it shuts down the conversation. Like it's not going to be heard. It's just like, well, you're just out of date or you're just old fashioned. And, and so, you know, whatever, how do you, how would you address somebody that maybe is, is limping and is trying to figure out, you know, what, what does that next step look like in my life to return to God or to be devoted to him? You, you, one of the things that you said was um, that the key to the unknown becoming known is a devoted heart. 
And that can feel like a long process, like, well, how do I get a devoted heart quick enough to get the answer that I need, which is obviously not God's point at all. But what would you say to that person that maybe is just struggling in that? Yeah, first of all, I wouldn't try to convince them. People resist being uh, convinced of anything. You know, um, I wouldn't try to, uh, you know create an argument that um, you either agree with my argument or not. I would try to ask good questions and say, can we, can we, well, can we enter into this conversation where we're both committed to thinking through good questions? We're both committed to answering good questions. And then we would bring ourselves into alignment with the answers that those questions demand. And so it's a process of, you know, we have to go back and we have to say, um, you know, at the very basics, all right, you know, if there is a God, um, has that God, you know, uh, given us absolute truth? And, you know, if there is a God, then uh, it wouldn't make any sense for us to have partial truths or, you know, to have something false. Um, he wants to be known. He is a good communicator. He wants his children to follow him. He wants his children to obey him. He wants to bless them. So we've got to go back and, and answer some of the basic questions of right here. You know, uh, Elijah basically says, listen, if Yahweh is God, follow him. If not, if he does not prove himself, if he does not stand up to the test, if he does not deliver then, you know, if you have more evidence that Baal is God, then follow Baal. And so I would say, you know, let's go back. What do we really believe about God? Let's have a great conversation. I'm not going to judge you. Let's have a great conversation. Let's go back and really, not just from an opinion standpoint, what do we really believe about the Word of God? You know, what is the essence of the Word of God? What does it mean to truly uh, major on the majors and minor on the minors and bring our lives into agreement with his word. Um, you know, what does it mean for us to, you know, if we were to follow him, um, what are the results of following him? Because see, a lot of times people have a lot of different opinions, but their different opinion doesn't have a proven result. Their different opinion, um, you know, it's a preference, and it might be, it might have a, uh, a a temporary relief or a temporary pleasure, but that you know has has that does that preference prove itself over time? Is it timeless? Does it yield you know uh, the the fruit that we see um, that God's people have uh, borne over time and proven themselves? You know, one of the things that um, I think is helpful as you were describing that is I think from the, I used to say this to our kids, if you're the giver of the gift, you be generous. If you're the receiver, you be grateful. So, you know, you want to be the person that no matter what little you get, you're grateful for it, no matter how, uh, if you're the giver, be as generous as you can. So it depends on which perspective, what seat you're sitting in to know what your role is. Um, this is not for the person who's, who is maybe speaking to someone who's struggling with their faith. This is really, I'm saying to that person who is the one struggling to say, okay, test God, 
Like, it, you know, Elijah wasn't, um, like, oh gosh, I hope he works itself. I, you know, I hope he proves himself. Gosh, what if God doesn't come through? Um, and, and I think for that person that if you feel like you are limping and that you are being, uh, tossed to and fro from different opinions and not sure what's right, like, well, commit to trying God's way. I know that he will be faithful. He will um, prove his loyalty to you when you surrender, when you say, okay, I've tried it my way. I'm going to try your way for a season. Right. But in that, there's a lot of people that will look at Christians, will look at churches, and they see all the flaws. And because they see, you know, imperfect people, and they see some bad decisions along the way, then they attribute that to God and therefore begin to disqualify God. I would say when we look at God's people, um, you've got to understand, you know, there's a large majority of God's people that aren't living the way they want to live, much less the way God wants them to live. And so you really need to look at kind of that you know, 10, 20, you know, 25% of God's people that though none of us do it perfectly, that they're not just attending church. They're not just agreeing with God that they truly have answered the call. Follow me. They are following him and none of us follow perfectly, but in following, you see more fruit in their life that has been tested, that has been proven, um, that bears the, that passes the test of time. And you can trust that. Now, if we look at the best followers of whoever the other argument is, can we compare the fruit of God's people with the fruit of whatever this other opinion is, and we then judge a tree by its fruit? And which fruit would you rather have? And so, like, even when I think about our own kids having just gone through college, college is a place where there's all these different opinions. And there's an incredible opportunity to get caught up in um, what opinion is the right opinion. And the thing that I would say is, all right, compare the best of God's people with the best of whatever this other opinion is, and then say, which one is trustworthy? Which one is proven? Which one bears the fruit? Which one do I want in my life? So Chris, two things that I want to get to um, before we wrap up. Um, this phrase um, you talked about of um, choosing your limp. Pick your limp. Pick your limp. There you go. That sounds better. Pick your limp. Um, you obviously gave some context in the message that, that the one limp that we see in Scripture um, is Jacob when he wrestles with God. And then the other limp is the one that you're referring to out of this passage when Elijah's asking them, how long are you going to keep limping between these two opinions? Um, what would you, what did you not have a chance to say yesterday about these two limps that you, if you could sit down and have coffee with, with each person that's listening to this, what would you want them to know about that choice? First and foremost, no one walks through a fallen, broken, sinful world without a limp. So don't live in the mirage that you can walk through this life and never limp, all right? So that's why I say pick your limp, all right? Then what happened with Jacob is Jacob wrestles with God, and in that wrestling with God, he refuses to let go 
until God blesses him. And in that, God touches his hip socket, knocks it out of joint, and he um, has a limp for the rest of his life. But because he wrestled with God, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And Israel means one who strives with God and prevails. And so Jacob's limp is kind of like a purple heart. He went to battle for God, with God, and he came out on the other side with a limp that he's proud of. Now, there's other people that they have a limp that they're not proud of, and they have a limp that um, it's because they are limping between two different opinions, and when you're limping between two different opinions, uh, you're not devoted to either one. Uh, you're indecisive. Um, you know, it's really a form of idolatry, um, and you're known by your lack of commitment instead of your commitment. In, in that way, um, you kind of test and see which way the wind is blowing, kind of what's the public opinion and, you know, what's good for me in the moment. And rarely does that lead to wise decision-making. And so that type of limp becomes debilitating over time. That type of limp leads not only to you limping more, but it leads to other people limping more. And no one respects you because of that type of limp. But when you've got a purple heart because you've wrestled with God and your limp because, comes because you have, you, you know, you strove, you, he says, he, how, how do you say it? You str he strove, not strove, that's the wrong word. You strive with God, he's, you know, and he prevailed. Mm. When you see people prevail in their battle with God uh, in order to be God's man or God's woman, in order to have the blessing of God, in order to be used of God, then there's enormous respect. And when you see that battle wound, and when you see that battle scar, and you know it's for they fought for the right reasons, and not only did they fight for themselves, they fought for you, and they fought for God, then there's an enormous amount of respect. And I want to be the man, and I know you want to be the woman, that when someone sees us limping, they know it's because we've done battle with God and we have prevailed. It's um, interesting as you, as you, I listen to that phrase of battling with God and you think, I mean, am I supposed to battle with God? Like, why are we battling God? I thought he was good and, and those things. But I think there's something in what you're describing that is a surrender it is the humility. It's really us battling. Totally. We're, we're battling our own pride. We're battling our own agenda. We're battling what we think our life should look like. It's death to self. And so in that way, um, you know, there is a place at which you will be humbled one way or the other, but it will be you choosing to humble yourself or God caring enough to humble you that allows you to be able to see the answer you need the next day. So um, I just think that's a, a valuable distinction to, to be able to go, okay, um, I, my way is probably never going to be um, God's agenda because he created us with a plan to accomplish his purposes and seldom do you meet somebody who just from the womb um, has been trained up in such a way that they 
have put their agenda down and are, have picked God's up. Well, in, in, in that, you know, when you think about this analogy of a limp, there are certain limps in life you regret. There are certain battles you regret fighting because you lost that battle and it cost you something. You never regret battling with God and surrendering. You never regret the limp that comes from striving with God and prevailing. That's a limp. That's a battle you can be proud of in the appropriate ways. All right. But there are countless limps in my life, countless scars in my life, countless, you know, uh, just different consequences in my life that I regret because I did limp between two different opinions and I chose to follow, to believe the wrong opinion. And I really put myself in charge instead of submitting or surrendering myself to God in trusting what we always say. These are three things that are only true of God. Only God knows what's best. Only God wants what's best. And only God gives what's best. So, Chris, as we wrap up this particular conversation, um, I want to land um, where you did in the message. You referenced um, 1 Kings 18, 41 through 45. And this is where they, it all feels so impossible. And time after time, they're going and they're trying to see that the rain is going to come and this drought is going to end and that that they're going to see these answers to prayer Talk us through, when we're in the context of the next day, this illustration, that's not just an illustration, this is a biblical um, account of why this gives you hope and what we should take away from it. When my prayer life is focused on the relationship more than the results, I'm much more patient than I am if I'm just focused on the results. I'm much more confident than I am if I'm just focused on the results. When I know God is bringing the totality of my heart and my mind, my life, into alignment with who he is, then what happens as a result of that is oftentimes we do see a result the next day. And the next day, sometimes it's literal, and other times it's figurative. It's it's not you know, I'm not meaning that's always within a 24-hour cycle kind of thing. But it does mean that my prayer didn't just end with a request. My prayer is ongoing. My prayer is relational. My prayer is bringing me into alignment throughout the day where I'm finding out where God's at work and joining him. I'm entering into every day with great expectation. And because of that, when I give my wholehearted yes to God, I can have confidence that the drought's going to end. Well, I hope that as you think about the next day um, and what you just said, Chris, I think is also what gives me hope that there's plenty of times that it's not a literal next day. But knowing the who God is and knowing that he is good when I am having a bad day and I'm still needing the next day, that I can count on his character and say, you know, God, it wasn't today, but I still hold um, to surrendering my life to you and you know the burdens and you know the things that I need to see you answer. And I'm praying tomorrow is that, that breakthrough. It is that literal next day. 
but it does give you the grace to be able to, when it doesn't happen immediately, to trust the process and more than the process to trust the person. So, all right. Well, I hope this has been a helpful conversation for you. Thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you at One City Soon. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's message, share it with a friend and be sure to subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single episode. Join our movement and help us to prove that love works. You can give towards our mission at onecitymemphis.org.